Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild, which is now officially open. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I run Strength Guild and Powerlifter Highland Games athlete and a bunch of other stuff. So, hey, is Dr. Mike T. Nelson? Creator of the Flex Diet Certification, uh, Associate Professor of the Kerrig Institute, and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> right on. Yeah, uh, Corey Van Wyk. I am a exercise science and nutrition professor and uh, strength and conditioning coach. Perfect. Everybody, we've had Corey on before, and we're actually going to ask him some questions in the topic of the day. Uh, look at that. I'm, I'm being good about it and actually bringing it up first so people can decide if they want it. Um, <laughs> We're going to ask Corey some similar questions that we asked MC Powers last week about, you know, as a strength conditioning uh, prof, you know, at a university, how are they dealing with this whole mess of, you know, the stay home and, and reopening and all of the above. Um, we do have some new news and mail. Let's start, in fact, with the mail. Uh, Phil, uh, can you maybe just read some of the mail from from Neil? He sent an uh, interesting yeah, picture. Can. Yeah, so, Neil wrote, I, I remember a few years back an episode discussing observed gym equipment. Funny as hell, by the way. I was on Snapchat, and I saw this contraption, which you climb up two tall steps like climbing a tree. Then you lay down and do your leg presses. What the hell? How expensive is that heavy thing? Thought you and the crew would get a good laugh of it, and I cannot find the life of me the brand name of the equipment on the internet. Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. That's, I'm just trying to figure out how it works. Um it just has a picture of this dude climbing up this thing, and it's it looks a lot like a hammer strength piece of equipment, but uh, I'm not sure. There's lots of bolts and intersections, and it looks like it it looks like it does a lot of moving. But how I don't know. So. <laughs> it's so tall, Corey. What's your take on this? I think it's so tall because it's got some kind of lever arm, and it, it, they just needed that much of a lever because yeah. he, he's like four feet off the ground. Like it looks like if he pushes back, will he kind of dip down or something? Like he's so tall because his head is going to go towards the floor. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, between you guys, I mean, if you don't know what the hell that does, you know, I, I don't. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, it sounds like almost like a, a horizontal, uh, like, like supine hack squat or something. Yeah, almost like. <laughs> yeah. Like you're yeah. taking two steps at a time, like in a deep, maybe, is it a one leg thing? I can't, I don't know. 
it's interesting though. It's hard to tell even which side his head goes on. There's two plates down there that look like maybe your shoulders could go on that, but I don't know. That might be where your feet go. I... Yeah, yeah. It's a good point, Phil. Yeah. We have some hammer stuff uh, in in bodybuilders that you got to look at it for a little while. Like you're like, yeah. hmm. And then of course people sometimes use it in reverse. Sometimes because they don't know, but sometimes <laughs> on purpose. I mean, I've actually used stuff like not not on label, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but. Um, it gets weird. Yeah, we should have people send us stuff, you know. Uh, a new post. Off-label exercise equipment use. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> off-label. That whole thing looks off-label. I don't think there's a label for it. Anyway. Yeah. Weird stuff. You know what? Maybe we can even post a picture of it on the Facebook page or something. Yeah, I, I can put it up now. I'll put it up <laughs> as we talk. There we go. Um, okay. Uh, I have two pieces of news here uh, oh let me start with some iron radio news i just wanted to give a shout out thank you to michael and jacob recent supporters of the show always um appreciated uh this first bit of mail uh, sorry news is very mechanistic and i really want mike to comment on this um Uh-oh. strength and muscle sport news it's this is from Nature Reviews. The original article was Albarain, I think, and and cell metabolism. This is brand new. In fact, it's not even out quite yet. Uh, it's June of this year. Obesity affects skeletal muscle ketone oxidation. So mm. it says obesity induces alterations in carb, lipid, and protein metabolism that can contribute to type two diabetes. But, of course, less is known about how obesity affects ketone oxidation. So, if, essentially, we're talking about how well your muscles burn ketone bodies. Uh, the author, John Usher, says, uh, with more of the world's population willing to consider ketogenic dieting as a nutritional approach for weight loss and obesity, we thought it would be prudent you know, to take a look at this. During periods of fasting, the liver produces ketone bodies. Uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate, which, of course, can be burned as a fuel by your brain. Um, Other tissues, though, like skeletal muscle, also can burn these ketone bodies as fuel. The rate-limiting enzyme for ketone body oxidation is, I'm not even going to read this whole word, it's SCOT, S-C-O-T, okay? The rate-limiting step in burning ketones in muscle, SCOT. So they used a mouse model of diet-induced obesity, uh, notably, compared with lean mice, obese mice had substantially lower circulating levels of beta-hydroxybutyrate uh, and increases in SCOT activity in skeletal muscle. So it looks like the fat mice are burning the ketone bodies more, and they wanted to know if that was problematic or not. They wanted to see if this was har- harmful or beneficial. So they started casting about, about d- for different antagonists of the SCOT enzyme. Because if they can sort of slow it down or block it, maybe they'll get different metabolic effects. So they did some in vitro assays, ex ex vivo stuff with isolated working mouse hearts. Um, Essentially, they identified uh, pimazide. Pimazide is, it's already FDA approved for Tourette's syndrome, but it was in fact Scott antagonistic. So it tended to block this enzyme that allows burning of ketones in muscle tissue. 
It says, to confirm the harmful effects of increased Scott activity and skeletal muscle ketone oxidation in obesity, Usher and colleagues generated a skeletal muscle-specific knockout mouse model. Okay, so these mice can't make this enzyme. Uh, and they, take, they took these knockout mice and the control mice, and they fed them a high-fat diet, uh, essentially confirming the harmful effects of increased skeletal muscle ketone body oxidation in obesity. It says obese Scott knockout mice uh, also had improved glucose tolerance. Uh, the mechanism for the glycemic improvement following Scott antagonism involved increased activity of PDH. So we talked about that before. Some of you nerds that listen, pyruvate dehydrogenase, sort of a linchpin uh, that connects glycolysis with the Krebs cycle and, you know, is going to affect the amount of glucose burning. Um, it, quote, because pimazide is already approved for use in humans, we're just talking about off-label, weren't we? Um, we hope to work together with clinical researchers to determine whether our findings translate to humans with obesity and or type 2 diabetes to confirm whether pimazide can be repurposed uh, for these individuals, concludes Usher. Ideally, we would design pimazide-like compounds that do not cross the blood-brain barrier. And presumably he's saying that because you don't want to interfere with this as a fuel for your brain, uh, but maybe you do want to interfere with it as a fuel for muscle. So I'm going to ask you to speculate, Mike. I know this is really putting you on the spot. You have no prep. I get it. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I, even read the study. <laughs> I get it. But what would be bad if you can speculate about burning ketone bodies and muscle? It sounds like you want to have more in your blood and less ketone bodies being burned in muscle tissue. Um, what would be better about I having guess, more in your blood? I would look at what is the the rate limiter for function because it sounds like they had a harder time producing as many ketones. Is that correct compared to the lean mice? Yeah, I, essentially were, they're burning. Block the muscle. Yeah, they're blocking the muscle's ability to burn them because that's apparently bad. I don't know if that's bad, but you're body will do something very similar when you go on a ketogenic type diet. The muscle can become a little bit more insulin resistant to glucose. And that's a non-pathological insulin resistance at the muscle level, if you want to get really nerdy about it. Um, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, per se. It's non-pathological. And that's just the fuel partitioning effect. Right, Because if you go on a ketogenic diet, you've got a limited amount of ketones, you don't have much glucose, yeah, obviously you're using some fat, but your brain wants glucose or ketones or potentially lactate. So by having the muscle be more insulin resistant to uh, glucose, you can spare some of it more for the brain. So in theory, maybe they're trying to redirect more ketones to the brain maybe people might feel better possibly mm -hmm. i don't know if there's a negative effect of the muscle using more ketones because it sounds like that would be one of the only fuels really <clears throat> left there and then with the pdh change if you're changing that <clears throat> you can actually push more people to use more glucose um, but there's some interesting research is it pretty well documented in uh, cardiac tissue now Showing that, I think we were at a talk years ago, Lonnie, where they were talking about, hey, we took this cardiac tissue and we made it more glucose dependent. Yay, isn't this amazing? We're like, that sounds like a horrible idea, yeah. right? You want <laughs> cardiac tissue to burn everything. 
like fats, free fatty acids, pyruvate, lactate, you know, glucose, like whatever. And when it starts having more like cardiac myopathies issues, the fuel selection that it can burn actually starts dropping off. Right. So just if you go all the way back and go, okay, if I'm super stressed, what fuel is my body going to preferentially use if they're all around? It's going to be more carbohydrates. Um, so maybe that was the result for the PDH enzyme change that they're stressing the system and it's trying to use carbohydrates a little bit more than to mitigate some of that stress. Um, but I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, I'm not trying to wrap my head around other than it's just a interesting mechanistic study, right. the rationale for it. Um, last part too, is that there's some data showing lean versus obese humans that if you put them on a 48 hour fast, uh, the lean individuals were able to downregulate and use fats much faster than the obese people. So the obese people were metabolically inflexible. So maybe there's something like that going on with the, the fat mice on the ketogenic diet, which putting mice on a ketogenic diet and increasing their fat is a, a whole nother ball of wax too. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like they're toying with two things at the same time. And, you know, these three-way yeah. models are very confusing and complex, but they're looking at obese versus lean with and without Scott antagonists, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it says they confirm the harmful effects of increased Scott activity. So increased ketone body burning. They're saying that's harmful when it happens in skeletal muscle because that's, that takes place in obese people. Anyway, they just put them on a high fat ketogenic diet, though. Wasn't that kind of the deal? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. There's several there's several manipulations going on here, yeah. but th they seem to be concluding that blocking Scott, blocking the enzymatic activity of muscle to burn ketones is something that we want. Um, hmm. That pimazide is already approved. And again, they want to work with clinical researchers to determine whether this translates to humans with obesity or type two diabetes. So you know blocking that yeah um i think it's interesting from a mechanistic standpoint right because like you said you can try to confirm what's actually going on and hey if we now take this thing out of the equation you know what happens but yeah i don't know if i would think burning ketones if there's a bunch of ketones around you'd want to use them for fuel isn't that kind of the deal yeah they they <laughs> do say at the very end of, the, of this little report this is not the full article again this is from nature reviews it's a report oh, on okay. the article right the original article was in cell metabolism but they do say basically they're trying to preserve ketones in the blood for the brain right oh, so okay so they're trying to shift they're maybe they're trying to do what the body is naturally does where they're just trying to shift that ketone use more to the brain and not have it be taken up by muscle you know that right yeah, i could go with that yeah that may make sense yeah and like you said maybe it's simple it's as simple as people feel better they move around more uh yeah. and, and they in this case it says they're going to have better uh glucose tolerance if they do this because of basically shifts and you know homeostatic changes in metabolism and stuff so Anyway, yeah, it, it's a. It, I'll definitely have to read it for sure. Yeah, I, I brought it up because the whole idea of ketogenic diets, I mean, they're very popular. And a, a lot of fit people that are on keto, they're not obese to begin with. You know, they're just trying to get even leaner, sort of thing. But they're also using it for a lot of obese people. And these guys are trying to, you know, tease this stuff apart. And I think it's interesting they're trying to use these off label meds and and block ketone burning in muscle and you know they they say that's a good thing you know that kind of stuff i don't know interesting yeah. again mechanistic 
I'm guessing that med was approved to try to boost levels of ketones in the brain with him, I guess, for epileptics. But I don't know the mechanism of action on that. I'd have to look it up. Uh, yeah, it says antipsychotic uh, used in Tourette's yeah. syndrome. So I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, a nerdy one for sure. Uh, this next one is something we speculated on recently. And here it is. Uh, I, we speculated correctly, it looks like. This is from David. Male coronavirus patients with low testosterone levels are more likely to die from COVID-19, according to a German uh, study. Uh, some highlights here. German hospital assessed the hormone levels uh, of 45 COVID-19 patients in the ICU. They found that the vast majority of men had low T. Now, an aside already. I think if they're in the ICU, they're, they're yeah. probably older anyway. And low T for any number of, like, they're under a whole lot of stress, you know? I mean, yeah, stress. Um, testosterone may be able to stop the body's immune system from going haywire, and low levels of the sex hormone are unable to regulate the body's immune response, leading to a cytokine storm. So just a couple of details here, and I appreciate David sending this. Again, we, I, I was just speculating, right, that why so many more old men get real, real sick. Like, more men get sick than women and more old people than young people. Well, what's the common thread? Well, when you're really... An old guy has much less testosterone than a 20-something, you know? Anyway, again, it was speculating at that point. Now there's some evidence. A recent study found men were twice as likely uh, to die from the coronavirus, but clinicians were unsure why. And again, they looked at um, different hormones. They They tested them for the hormones upon admission because they wanted to make sure that they weren't... It was nothing that, you know, they were getting treated in a certain way that might have stressed them further or lowered their T or whatever. They assessed the first 45 lab-confirmed COVID-19 patients admitted to the ICU at University Medical Center Hamburg-Eppendorf. 35 were men, 10 were women. And there's some interesting side thing here uh, about testosterone in women, too. Seven patients uh, required oxygen during this study. Uh... 33 of them needed ventilation. Nine men and three women died in this cohort. Uh, Hormone levels were assessed again on the first day in the ICU. Of the male COVID-19 patients sent to the ICU at the German hospital, more than two-thirds, 69%, recorded low testosterone levels. Uh, In contrast, the majority of female patients, 60%, had elevated testosterone levels. And the strange finding, I think, in women was that in female COVID-19 patients, higher testosterone levels were linked to more inflammation, a more significant inflammatory response. So testosterone seems to be helping men uh, not get too inflamed. Because, of course, if it's going to prevent the cytokine storm, uh, that's going to be good, right? I mean, you don't want massive uncontrolled inflammation seizing up your lungs and that sort of thing. And this jives with a lot of what I've un- understood about testosterone, right? Testosterone, one of its primary function is to point the metabolism a little bit more toward reproduction and away from immune response, right? So a slightly suppressed, if you will, immune response. Um, Anyway, it might be something worth uh, looking at if our listeners, if you're a guy and you're thinking about TRT, maybe (laughs) it's a good time to go get your T levels up. Um, And again, I think age is a confounder, and I wasn't able to find the age of these of these men of these male patients. Again, this is just from Daily Mail um, in the the UK. Hmm. 
uh, women who listen to the show, if you have very high testosterone levels for whatever reason, uh, that might be a concern for you. Uh, again, more pro-inflammatory. So weird stuff. But yeah, confirming what we were speculating about just a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know. It's almost like we know what we're talking about sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're lucky once in a while. Right on. <laughs> um, just quickly before we go to break, let me um, just put you on the spot here, Corey. So what's been happening with you lately? Maybe just, you know, you already gave everybody like a one-sentence descriptor of yourself. but um, Sure. Yeah, what's happened in the world of Corey? Yeah, it's it's been crazy. We just finished up finals last week. Um, and now, ironic, it's just kind of this crazy time we've entered a period where students can somewhat appeal their grade um i don't know if lonnie if you you know anything's happening like yeah it's it's because of the transition and trying to account for the fact that everyone's dealing with something uh just different and strange uh our our college has kind of tried to give a little grace from that perspective so we'll see how that goes and and deal with that. But yeah, we transitioned online for the entire second half of the spring semester. Yeah. Um, Mm Yep. And it was really strange because I felt like, you know, we're isolated. We're I'm in Northwest Iowa. So, you know, all this stuff hit us last and it kind of in the span of a couple days went from, you know, start thinking about moving your classes online and how you would do it to we're done for the rest of the semester face to face. Yeah, get on it. <laughs> yeah, and then and then, you know, our students came back from break already from spring break. So they were back for a week a couple days really because we started midweek. Okay. And then got all sent home. And then we had to transfer our classes uh online in a week and get them ready to go. So that has kind of been um, my last few weeks. And then, of course, you know, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. So I have six teams, football, wrestling, uh, soccer, cheer, and dance. And, like, all of a sudden you're figuring out how to train these people online. Or, or train. Like, what are you going to do um, with 600 athletes that, that you have at your school? So, right, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's been challenging, and we'll talk about kind of the forced growth. But that's kind of been my world the past uh, eight weeks or so. Yeah, uh, nationwide, I've heard some stuff. I believe it was from some universities in Chicago. The students were even wanting partial refunds because they're like, "Oh, you know, classes from home are yep. no fun. I don't get to drink with the opposite sex, and you know, <laughs> and do all the kinds of social things and." Um, yeah, and for us, like room and board, because everyone has to live on campus. Um, yeah, all the, all those conversations are happening. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with us, and we had a plan too, like what we how we're going to be more lenient and more gracious with, um, you know, changing things to maybe pass fail. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, we've how, got all stuff that like that, like pass, low pass. Right. Yeah. There's there's like an alteration in. Uh, the grading scale and then how that affects GPA and yeah. and all that stuff. Hey, I mean, we've said over the years many times, there's there are so many similarities between what 
the three co-hosts here do, right? Teaching and coaching, it's, it's virtually the same thing, especially if you're teaching a lab section of like X-Fizz, you know? People have mouthpieces right. and they're slobbering all over and, you know, and <laughs> nose clips and stuff. And, and at the same time in the gym, people are sweating and, you know, exerting and moving around. And, and these are things that you have to do. It's, it's no fun to watch a video of somebody else do these things, right? You have to go experience yeah. it. Uh, and so universities, my my take on this is that we're just ex- – I heard California is going to stay online in the fall as I understand it. But a lot of schools are saying, listen, we, we can't do that. Um, we have to yeah. do stuff. So it looks like we might do something – a lot of schools actually. Like maybe divide up a class where you know if I got a class of 40, I see half of them on Monday, half on Wednesday. Maybe everybody's online on Friday. You know, some – some approach yeah. like that, some partial hybrid okay. thing, so the kids can still come to campus. Um, you know, the university still gets the revenues from living in the dorms, and the students, of course, get the college experience, which is a big part of why they're paying that tuition. You know, so right, yeah. So there's there's a lot going on. Uh, I think, like I said, gyms and uh, all these big fitness centers and universities, they're in a very similar situation where. You're just going to do what you can with distancing and masks and Purell at every turn, you know. Um, right. And hope for the best, I guess. But anyway. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, kind of maybe just like where this has changed things. You know, I've felt like our discipline, meaning exercise science, kinesiology, in some ways this this has been really beneficial for that field and profession because – as you hinted at, you can only do so much if you're watching somebody do it on a screen and getting people like using your class time as almost a mini coaching session or like a mini seminar. Um, So like I, I taught motor learning this semester and we had just gotten to the point where we're going to start talking about, um, you know, cueing and practice designs and, practice schedules and all this, all these other things. And class is going to be a lab. We're going to maybe take a skill and okay, you read about specific types of cueing, internal, external, uh, maybe different learning styles. And now we're going to have you teach someone else a skill with using those, those tactics. And it's just not the same when you get that online or or when you're doing it over video. Um, so, you know, I got the feeling that a lot of people in, are realizing, like, wow, this does have to be done face-to-face to a degree. Yep. Uh, you know, whereas it's, maybe others don't. It's a, For me, it's a return to this KSA model, you know, knowledge, skills, abilities. Mm. You don't pick up a skill by watching it, a physical skill, by watching it on mm. a video, like pipetting. Right. Like, I have a video of how to do, a, a you know, a fatty acid analysis in <laughs> Like, you know, tri- blood triglycerides and fatty acids and stuff. and But that doesn't make anybody a better pipetter. You're going to no. suck when I say, here, my, I want you to, you know, pipette like 40 microliters of this or that. They, they watched it. They never did it. <laughs> right. And I got to think that's very similar in the weight room. Like, you know, crap. I. I <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um. Okay, well, we're kind of we're going to drift into the topic here already. So, yeah, it, because when I say what's up with Corey recently, you know, um, obviously this, <laughs> this kind of right. stuff, it's, it's just life. Anyway, all right, let's go to break. When we come back, uh, I've got some questions for you. Similar things that we asked MC last week, but uh, you're in a little bit different uh, setting, of course, and it'd be neat to sort of compare and contrast. 
Nickelodeon, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, folks, we're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie, and we have Coach Corey Van Wyk. And we're going to just check in and see what a strength and conditioning coach at a university, what the hell they're doing right right <laughs> now um, for the past two months. And also as things start to reopen, you know, summer training and all the kinds of stuff that, you know, when you've got hundreds of athletes that you're responsible for, what the heck do you do? So, Corey, let's start with that. How have you adapted um, your, your coaching and, and, and training, uh, at the university. Yeah. Um, well, our, I'll say kind of first off that our situation's pretty darn unique in the fact that we have a strength and conditioning major. Um, so what that means is we have 
students who kind of go through this course progression and it all culminates with the our senior students part of their like capstone project if you will or their final final project is they uh have a team for at least a semester i mean and obviously like under our supervision meaning myself and our other strength coach yeah um and so we had five of them this year which is outstanding and so of course they couldn't coach their teams face to face anymore and so we kind of had them spearhead the the delivery of training where they kind of each took a day of the week and would write the training that we would disseminate through Instagram. So we, we used Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of, we considered other, uh, you know, platforms cause these online training platforms, they came out with, Hey, for the next four weeks, we'll, we'll let, let you have it for free or something like that. But we ultimately decided uh, not to go that route because those things have a huge learning curve to them. Um, not only for us as coaches, but for the athletes, like all of a sudden 600 athletes have to learn how to do this online, tr- online app um, and read it and all that kind of stuff. So we, we decided just to go through Instagram. We'd post uh, every workout or every training session the night before. And our students would, film all the videos, put that in the post. Uh, and so that's how we adapted the training. Um, and it worked, it worked fairly well. I mean, our students are great. They, they had, you know, I think as someone who's in the professional in this now, how beneficial that is for them because they were forced to adapt and, and shift their, mindset communication style and coaching right away and they now have that experience if they ever need to do it again that's true yeah Yeah. so it's is it ideal like absolutely not um but from their learning perspective there's a lot of a lot of benefits it it forced them to think out of the box and us too like we're like we are the ones helping them with the workouts and, and design them and figure out what are the things that they can do. But it was really cool to see them take the concepts and principles they've been taught over the past two to three years and then use those. Now, let um, me, if I can clarify, so the, so the students would post demos of the different yep. movements. Um, and I'm sorry if I yep. miss this. So what, how are the athletes doing this at home? These are just like yep. calisthenic type things. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's at home. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's a, you know, now that this is kind of everyone's situation, people get creative with like, okay, what can you use at home that is at least a little bit of load? Wow. Whether that's, you know, you know, we didn't go as far as this, but, you know, some people are buying five gallon buckets and filling them up with stuff and, and using some kind of rod as a barbell. We, we didn't go that route. We just focused on the body weight stuff. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening, you know, a lot, a lot of ISOs, a lot of, uh, slow controlled eccentric movements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what can you do in your backyard? So every athlete somewhat became, you know, obviously it's their choice on whether they do it or not, but how can we add in uh, sprint based workouts or sprint based sessions? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. So that's 
a lot of what ended up happening or uh, may a lot, maybe like a lot of post-activation potentiation methods. So we're trying to maintain power without load. Okay. So maybe do like a body weight squat, do a five second hold on the bottom, rest for a, for a minute or so, and then you've got jump squats, you know, for maximum height, stuff like that, or split squat jump uh, jumps. Right. Pl- uh, push-ups plus a hold, and then you go into plyo push-ups. Uh, that was what a lot of it became. And our students did a great job with it. They did a great job. So that's how we adapted training. Um, and then, yeah, classes we kind of already talked about. I taught three of my four classes this semester were activity classes. So that oh, was... Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had that week to uh, transfer. I was like, okay. So I like I taught aerobic activity. You know? oh. So uh, that was an interesting and... I feel like I came up with a, f- a pretty good um, way to do that. And Mike, it's it's interesting. You know, you've been training people online for a long time, and I feel like all of us face to face coaches are finding out what online coaches have known for a long time. Like how like how challenging it is, and while there's some freedoms with like online training, meaning like you can do it. You can essentially do it whenever you want, wherever you want, but your level of communication has to elevate tremendously. And when someone's not face-to-face with you uh, and you're just communicating you mostly via emails and via text, like you have to be way more clear and way more uh, – you can't you – can't, there can't be any ambiguity or guesswork with it because – they can't um, really, you've got to get your tone across or you've got to get really what you mean across without the the use of them seeing your body language or anything like that. So that one was aerobic activity was the biggest one. And what we ended up doing or I ended up doing is um, they just used like a fitness tracker app and then they had requirements of what counted as attendance. So they had to like add me as a friend post a picture three days a week interesting you know separate separate days um tell me what the workout was uh and like all these kind of levels to basically because it's an activity attendance class like you if we were face to face you have to show up like you that's the literal uh where the grade comes right, from right yeah you know so that that was one challenge. And then like the other big challenge, I kind of referenced motor learning earlier, but the other big challenge was, um, I taught our intro level strength and conditioning class. And this class is basically fundamentals of, of training athletes. So it was kind of their forced foray into learning the, the kind of major lifts, uh, speed training, agility, plyometrics, like all of these different components that go into training an athlete. We do, we, we cover that in this class and what we do in class time is we do the stuff. So if, if one week is squat class time, we squat for an hour and 15 minutes. Like we're, we're going through every variation. We're going through the coaching cues and then they do, it's like a mini, it's like a seminar every week, right? Um, and they're coaching each other up 
and we're, we're troubleshooting each other's technique and each other's form. Well, that was gone. Couldn't, couldn't really do that anymore because like even if we wanted to do it through video people didn't have access to stuff um so the way i adapted that was we would have like we kind of got into the section of class where you know you, the the materials other coaches right so we would have the coach that their assignment was based off of join us for class um and i guess my trade-off there was networking so okay you're not getting the the practice as we talked about earlier with the skill anymore but maybe now i'm starting to build your network up with hey this person you read the book chapter on or you watched the videos on they're now going to join us for class um so different different benefits there but those are kind of some of the ways that i've adapted uh the class section um and I guess I'll kind of end it there if you guys have any questions or want to know any more on that front. I want to spin this to to Phil about something quickly because, first of all, the the thought of, you know, beefy Corey or Phil, like muscly guys doing all aerobics all the time is funny to oh, me. <laughs> you poor bastards. <laughs> no. But, Phil, I mean, Corey brought up some very cool stuff that I don't think would have came to mind for me immediately, like, you know, stretch reflex, plyos, pap. All that neuromuscular explosion stuff, you can do that with body weight type stuff. Or um, now, I know you were talking about kettlebell stuff and more like high rep and conditioning type stuff. Did you have your people do any power stuff, or do you just figure we're going to work on an aerobic base? You know, during this whole uh, man, it really depended on each person and what they had. So a lot of my people luckily had like racks and things at home where we could just keep going. So I mean, it it, it was person to person. So it depends on the individual. Okay. And what they had. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was just kind of very cool, actually, Corey. That's very clever that you can actually, instead of just sort of being resigned to, if you are a beefy guy and you're all about size and strength, you're like, I don't want to just go for jogs every day. I mean, (laughs) you know. um, Yeah, and another thing we were trying to avoid was just, like, repping people to death. Like, you've got 30 bodyweight squats or you've got 20 reps each leg split squat. Um, So really kind of trying to challenge our students to think other ways to challenge um, either the movement or quality and and what are some different ways they can do that was, was just like a way that we tried to shift the focus versus um, yeah, just really just relying on tons of reps. You know, it's, it's a difference I think between you and Phil, I know Phil, you got basic, uh, you got younger people there and stuff like that. But I mean, by definition, Corey's got a bunch of like 19 and 20 year old. It's almost more developmental, developmental, whereas Phil's, he's got some pretty advanced people and what the hell do you do with them? You know, um, it's just kind of a different animal. Um, I did the, uh, the Zercher this challenge because you fast realized that, because I had a lot of clients who, I've got everyone who's got a you know complete full gym set up to someone who's just in an a, apartment in a foreign country with nothing else, you know. Um, so I found that things you could load became kind of a premium. So if someone had like those five gallon water jugs, oh, that was awesome, right? Or we even had a a thing where hey, maybe you you know zercher your spouse, right? <laughs> Hold them in your crooks your <laughs> elbows and start doing squats, right? I. We have a thing on Facebook, and one of my clients said, 
a picture of him going to the park, uh, Zercher squatting these huge potted plants there. I'm not sure if this is legal or not, but <laughs> that was the video he sent. <laughs> yeah, creative. So, get creative. <laughs> yeah, or just like do things that you're maybe should do and you don't do all the time, like, yeah. like a Zercher squat or like another thing that we tried to think of was just i guess you could call them stability exercises or control exercises um just stuff that tends to get to get neglected when you've got a barbell and dumbbells uh and then load overall is is uh emphasized over you know maybe like a piston squat or a pistol squat with a slow eccentric or a pause you know mm-hmm. and that the the level of control that you have to you need with like your knee or the level of glute activation you get with that is 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 different than with a barbell or a dumbbell. Um, so that's kind of another area that we tried to hit on. Yeah, you know, Corey, I almost think it might be good for you to pop something on Instagram or maybe we can put it on the Facebook page with like some suggestions for some of these neuromuscular things that people can do. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it's great to basically try to build some volume right now too, you know, like because I do have some dumbbells and a barbell downstairs, I've been doing some lightweight stuff, but do like 50 total reps, you know, um, or 60 or Mm. 70, like just to get just more, you know, because the way I tend to gravitate is fewer reps with a little bit heavier loads and it's like I'm forcing myself to do some volume so I don't like atrophy into oblivion, you know. Right. But so volume is good too. But yeah, it might be fun to look at some. I mean, because again, stretch reflex, plyos, uh, post activation potentiation, you know, a pause and go. All this stuff is really good ideas for like neuromuscular explosiveness, even if the yeah. the loads are really light. I mean, I remember looking at peak power output in the bench press it looks like it's around 50 percent in the squat depending on the research you look at peak power output is between zero load i mean other than your body weight and 30 percent right right so it doesn't require if you really want to get that peak combination of speed strength if you will you can do some of that stuff at home you know right it's very interesting stuff to me yeah and like other stuff that you know, my students would come up with like loading up a backpack with books yep, and, yep. and putting it on backwards. Heck, that might get you to that in between zero and 30%. Yeah. Um, if you load it up and then you do jump squats with it or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I like your spot too, Corey, about working on control, right? So, even have someone, I, I figured this out myself when I was writing stuff for clients. I'm like, oh, I haven't done a lot of lunges in a while. I should try a lunge with a little bit of elevation and just go really slow. I'll just start with body weight. I'm like, oh, my God, I suck at this right now. <laughs> like, when's the last time I really did this? Oh, probably years ago. And when you yeah. force someone to go slow, yep. they can't hide everything really mm-hmm. with speed. Speed and, hides need. Yep. And wow. I mean, that yep. clients would look at the program and they're like, come on, is this really what I'm doing? I'm like, nope, do this. Send me a video. Let me know how it went. And like most of <laughs> the ones I had do it are like, oh my God, that's really hard. I, oh, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've never heard that, Corey. Speed hides need. I'm embarrassed to admit, yeah. I've never heard that. That's great. Yeah. That one. Yeah. yeah. And like, 
what's really nice, Mike, about the the slow controlled tempo is it, hopefully at the other side of this, you maybe have improved the pattern or positioning of a yeah. movement. Yeah. You know, if if you it doesn't take much in a goblet squat. If you say, okay, you're going to do a five to six second lowering and here's what I want you to like focus on or whatever, like give them, give them like one or two cues to think about from a technique standpoint. I mean, I, I like, maybe you can use that to improve their technique when they do come back to a barbell or, or what, something like that. So, um, that's another benefit that I, over the years or really the past year, I've liked a ton about, uh, slowing the movement down, uh, you know, it, you know, Stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, you know, John Mike has said stuff before about how well eccentric stuff translates. Uh, it's not like it's going to be so hyper-specific that it won't help your, your normal performance, you know. So I, I like the idea right. of the, some of the eccentric stuff, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did pauses in with breathing, too. I've done that a lot more if people are limited on load or if they've got some movement stuff I can't quite figure out. It's like, okay, maybe you have a trap bar and you've got some load, but not super heavy load. It's like, let's just take a period and deload it for a while. And at the top, instead of trying to, you know, white knuckle it and look like your eyeballs are going to Valsalva and pop out of your, <laughs> your forehead there, maybe you should just take two belly breaths at the top and then set it back down. And if you can't do that comfortably, then I want you to actually lighten the load. Right, so I want you to take a period of time and make sure you 100% own like every lift that you're executing, and then we'll scale you back up and use you know appropriate tension again. And that's been pretty enlightening for a lot of people too, because especially when I see their videos and I see them start warming up with like, you know, let's say they can do 315 on a deadlift and 135 looks like they're creating like so much tension that I think they're going to blow a vessel. I'm like, duh, <laughs> this this isn't going to be good. You know, let's yeah. just kind of back down for a period of time and make sure we own this. And, you know, when they go back up heavier again, they're like, wow, I can do more load and I don't have all these weird niggly injuries and uh-huh. everything feels easier. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great one, Mike. That's another gold nugget is own it. Work on owning light yeah. loads. Yeah, I right. like it. You stress versus distress. You right know, on. If you can do it, you stress and then play with frequency. Right. If you did 90% of your PR today, I started playing a lot more frequency. Can you, you know, used to be able to only do that once a week. Could you do that same thing twice a week? Could you do it almost every day? You know, if you get to the point where you're hitting that literally almost every day, I know your max is going to be above that, right? Because now we've kept the quality high and we've just increased the volume per week, too. Yep. Yep. Uh, nice. as we wind this down, I, I'm, let me ask Phil one thing and then move to Corey about this is, um, reopening. I mean, you started the show saying, woohoo, reopen. Um, yep. what's the first thing, what's the first thing that's going to get your attention, Phil? <sighs> just how happy people were. They come in last night. <laughs> you know, they were all elated. <laughs> you know, that's it. I mean. And we didn't have a ton. Like, we're keeping it under 10. That's our rule right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're able to open, but no more than 10 people. And, like, no locker rooms and things like that, which I don't have anyway. So I got restroom, but they allow us to use the restroom. Uh, that was it. Just how I, I noticed that everybody came back, and they all want to be there. And they missed mm-hmm. it. So, I mean, it's 
you know, not, cool. nothing changed. It's just they all they were all just more than ready to be back. Were so. they were they able to step back yeah. in? I mean, did you just, did you say, listen, guys, for the next month we're just gonna or two at least a couple of weeks we're just gonna do reconditioning stuff, or have they stayed? No, they were all they've stayed in shape. Nice. So all my people are I mean, they're lifers, so they've all been doing mm-hmm. stuff at home. Um, I probably it. wouldn't say let's let's back out, <laughs> but uh, they were prepared to do a regular training day. So okay, yep, yeah, that was good. How does that? I'll go there in a little bit. How does that uh, compare to universities, uh, Corey? I mean, like summer workouts and stuff. Is it just yeah. you're going to more of the same, or are you going to try to reopen on some level, or or when does that happen? Um, yeah, we well, you know, like I said earlier, we're we're. A very we're a small school, um, so we actually don't have any athletes that really stick around in the first place. Uh, so we are closed. Even I guess current like currently we are actually closed to everybody. So like, you know, if I'm following the rules, I'm not I'm not going in there, and I and I don't. But so we do have a little bit of time um, to to get things think about logistically how we want to do things and and how we do want to reopen. Uh, so those conversations have just kind of started, uh, with regards to how we want to handle that. Cause okay. we don't have a staff really that, you know, our, our university fitness center has like a staff of people that manage it so they can like disinfect a lot. Like our weight room doesn't really have that. It's just me and our other coach basically right now. Um, as far as like summer training. So like I just sent out summer training yesterday to our, to our teams and, you know, the, the, you try to, you try to, with like your methods, make like kind of a natural lead in ramp up. But I really just try to say, guys, resist the quote unquote, I want to see where I am at max out session. <laughs> like, do not go for, even like with this, all the stuff that we <laughs> talked about earlier with how we've disseminated like training, even if they've done all of it. That's not a good idea. Right. Um, so I just try to make that abundantly clear that do not do this kind of like classic, hey, I'm going to quote unquote see where I'm at and max out. We, we've luckily done a lot of RPE training with my upperclassmen over the past few years. So they get it. Like they know if I say five to six RPE on a scale of one to 10, they know what that means. Yeah. So there's some of that language in there, or uh, some of them have even done reps in reserve. Quantify. So if I, if I yeah, exactly. Like, or uh, my main recommendation was, as you get started, um, reps should feel smooth, and there should be very little slowdown in the speed of the movement, as to try to like, okay, what if they're either don't remember what RP means or. Uh, still want a little bit more direction than how it should feel that's that was my recommendation um yeah we're gonna have a huge challenge when we get back to training because while we have a big weight room um we typically you know when i train football that's 50 people in 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 the room right so <laughs> i don't know if and we only train people 5 38 to 7 a.m and then three ish to about 637 and that's just not a lot of time to get you know a few hundred athletes through so we're honestly like we're still figuring that out i don't exactly know what that's going to look like um when we when we return so right yeah tbd i guess right 
Yeah, I think I think universities <laughs> yeah. everywhere are we're still in these focus group, working group, discussion phase. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Uh, we do have this breathing room a little bit. I mean, yes. I guess big schools don't have as much because of summer workouts or whatever they're going to do. But yeah, there's going to be a pause, a, at least a little, that we can kind of figure out what's best, I guess, mm-hmm. with this stuff. But um, okay, we're all, we're basically out of time, but I want to do a. A, a quick fire with everybody, like on a 10 scale, because everybody, when we are talking off mic, so to speak, um, not recording, Corey said his training has been going great. So I'm going to start with, <laughs> yep. let, let's start with, let's start with you on like on a 10 scale. I don't know. Um, maybe give me a word and a number like hypertrophy nine. I'm kicking ass, you know, something like that. Can you give me a word and a number for your training over the last six weeks? Corey, it's definitely it's been consistent mm-hmm. and so it's been like a nine wow yeah it's uh <laughs> benefit of I, i've got uh, power blocks that go to 90 and five pound increments i've got a physio ball i've got bands i mean i've got almost everything i need so i just pop down to the basement and it's almost like going back to the early, early days of you just go to your basement and you just crush a muscle group yep. uh, for like an hour. <laughs> right. It's been it's been it's been great. It's been fun. That's so. nice. Well, that's good yeah. news. It's positive. Uh, yeah. Phil, I, I, again, I know you're a specialist and whatnot. What about you? Like a word and a number for to describe your training for the last six weeks? Yeah. Well, if I go six weeks, it would be it would be rehab and uh nine hey it's been going good i went back from i went from not squatting for 13 weeks to uh i've been back this will be week number three but last week i squatted 635 wow so nice two weeks back not a problem with there yeah yeah. okay uh mike what about you Uh, a word and a number i would say aerobic grip that's two words but on um, probably 10 out of the 10 it's hyphenated yeah hyphenated um, <laughs> yeah i mean realistically this is the most effective training period i've probably ever had probably because i'm at home and sleeping in the same bed every night and yes eating food so i've yeah increased my aerobic times uh max grip lifts have gone up and i've been in a caloric deficit too so normally there's no way i could pull those three off at the same time i'd be destroyed oh right <laughs> yeah so you're getting ripped too <laughs> well i get down i mean this morning was 214 which is oh. the lightest i've been in probably 12 years maybe and the highest i've ever been is 245 Hot damn. So, yeah. yeah you guys are outperforming nice me <laughs> <laughs> i've just been trying to maintain with uh, you know sort of a modest we'll say my my descriptor would be frequency volume um, six, you know, I mean, it's not yeah. in the toilet, but like right now my, I was doing, uh, I did volume incline bench work yesterday, just real light, but many, many dozens of reps. And I'm so sore across my like upper pecs and front delts. Yeah. So I'm just trying to do that kind of stuff really, you know? Um, but yeah, for me, it's more like a six, maybe listeners you can think about for you, like what's a descriptor and what's a number for you for the past month or two, you know, to kind of judge how you're going to relaunch <laughs> when you do anyway well thanks for joining us Corey. yeah thank you um thank you Corey. yeah you bet like this i'll be honest guys this is a bucket list item for me to be kind of a i've been on the show before but never as a solo guest so 
very excited. Thank you guys. Um, <laughs> I think Lonnie and you know this this show uh, has been instrumental in my career path because like when I was a student and like listening to this and getting into it and back in like oh nine, you know. I found this group of people that cared just as much about thinking deeply about training and the science of training as I did. And, uh, I, I can't tell you how much I, I'm like how thankful I am for this podcast because it really set me down this path of being a pracademic. Um, and so I hope that I guess maybe this episode helps other people do that too. Well, I, yeah, we appreciate that for sure. I mean, let's face it. We banked on the fact that there are enough. Now you're rare, Corey. But we banked on the fact that there are enough eggheads slash meatheads out there, right, to listen to a show. (laughs) Um, And there are, as it turns out. Yeah. So, good stuff. Okay, everybody, we'll see you next time. Awesome. See you. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store one for phil one for fortress and one for myself dr lowry and they're thematic so you can go into our halls of iron store and choose based on your goal if you need something to learn or read or something nutritional you can look in my store uh, lonnie's store if you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition then take a look at phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each Hall of Iron are actually based on our own recommendations protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.